the, my motto now is like what I tell myself is like, don't let fear consume you or control you. All right, welcome back to a, another podcast, podcast episode number seven. Uh, I know it's been a little while, but uh, we are back and I am... Um, Got a bunch of good guests lined up, and to start us off today, we have my friend, our family friend, Trey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a veteran, correct? Mm-hmm. What yep. branch did you serve in? Uh, I was in the Marine Corps. For how long? For 12 years. 12 years. Wow. Okay, so usually to start off my podcast, I ask for I can't even hear, three numbers from 1 to 100, and I have random creative questions that I will ask based on whatever number you land on just okay. to get the juices flowing and to start conversation. So, three numbers. Sounds good. Uh, three, two, five. Okay, number three. What is the toughest decision you've ever made? Um, Heavy one. Toughest decision I've ever made. Uh, I think probably going to the military. Okay. You said three what and five? Three, two, five. What is the toughest decision you made this year? This year, toughest decision. Oh, uh, probably when I went to compete in uh, California, uh, I I got invited to compete in a veteran event or military event against other Marines in Camp Pendleton, California. Yeah. But I had just had surgery. On my nose, my upper airway construction, and I wasn't cleared by the doctors to work out. I wasn't cleared by the doctors to compete, so I forged my doctor's signatures on the release forms, and I went to go compete in California anyway, and I still ended up doing really well when I was there. Hmm. Well, so that was know. this year. <laughs> and, COVID, well. and COVID happened uh, oh, yeah. while we were there. While I was there, we had like 15 international teams fly from across the country, so... They were getting put on quarantine on the military base, so it was really intense. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. And the last one, you said number five. If you were guaranteed the answer to one question, what would it be? Um, if I was guaranteed the answer to any question, what would it be? Probably... Um, if... Uh, you know, if I, if I was a good... It, if I was a good husband and father, you know, okay. am I a good leader in my household? Yeah, that's a good one. I get that. All right, yeah. So, so you mentioned that you compete. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. I don't know if you still do or you still have plans to continue, but you have. <laughs> yeah. What What are the different competitions you've competed in? Well, these, these events are kind of random. So, like... Uh, it's it's kind of new. So like when I was in the military getting out, they they kind of figured out. Well, a lot of the guys are getting out, and there's not really a program to kind of help these guys transition and still be active. So you yeah. know, just being active is like such an important thing. It's not just working out and looking fit. It's actually really just good for your mental your your mental health, your physical, yeah. your spiritual health. People that are that are active are just happier in general. So. The military kind of caught on to this, you know, when, when people are getting out of the military, there's nothing there. There's no, there's no, 
safety net of like what what's waiting for them on the other side so they started coming up with these competitions and these competitions range from the indoor rowing the bench press track and field swimming cycling and um so i i, I kind of looked into it and and i started doing them they had some here in san antonio they have them the 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 biggest one that i competed in was prince harry's invictus games in canada and i was able to get selected for team usa and so like every branch is allowed to take so many athletes to the Invictus Games. Um, the Marine Corps had, I believe it was 20 or 30 athletes they could choose from across the United States, and I was one of them. Um, so that was pretty crazy. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. And that, like you know, like I said, so they do the track and field. They do like for me, I prefer to do the discus event. Mm-hmm. I never did it in high school. It was just something that I just was very in- enthused. Like it's, yeah. it's you're throwing something that's like about as big as a plate that can fit in your hand, and this thing weighs about six pounds, and you need to lodge it so many feet. Um, I think it's close to like forty feet just to be competitive. Um, and you got guys doing this stuff who are missing an arm. You got guys who are who were right-handed but had their arm blown off in uh, oh, combat, yeah. or you got guys who were missing a leg. Uh, still going out there, you know, throwing it, yeah. and there, you know, like there's a friend of mine who who, who lives in California. He's a Marine, and he's uh, he's blind, and he actually can throw further than me, and he can throw it straighter than me. From, he's blind from a casualty. He 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 was blown up, and the shrapnel got into his eye, and in both eyes, and now he's like legit. He has one one artificial prosthetic eye, and the other one he just lost all his vision. Oh, wow. But he's still, he actually qualified for the Paralympic team, the USA Paralympic team. I and mean, this guy's oh, wow. amazing. So, you know, you, you get to a point where, you know, you're, you're doing these events and all, all this stuff is just created not to, it's a competition, but it's really to promote fitness. Yeah. Because I'm going out and um, I never did powerlifting in high school. I never did bench press competitions. But now the event that I sign up for is a bench press. So how do I prepare for that? What do I need? Do I need to get equipment? Do I need to buy wrist wraps? How do I train for it? Um, am I humble enough to ask people for help? Is there guidance involved? How do uh, you know what am I? What what is a weights looking like that I'm lifting? You know what does a competition weight look like for me to even make the podium? Yeah. You know, and there's all these 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 things, and it kind of gets the wheel your wheel spinning. And uh, the other one also is like the rowing event. The rowing event is just oh, yeah. a pure cardio event and it just kicks your butt i mean and these are things that i never did in high school so the preparation for this stuff is it's there's a lot of preparation there's a lot of focus involved and i'm i'm glad that i made the decision to pursue it because it was very intimidating initially the first marine corps event i did in camp pendleton was in 2013 i had just had uh knee surgery and i got my butt whooped I mean, I was like embarrassed because um, I went out there and I thought, you know, I have this mentality to go out there and just do well and I'm just going to do well. And uh, that's all I need. Not really considering the training factor or the preparation the other yeah. athletes were taking, because when I say these things, it sounds like a lot. But you're just to prepare for one event is stressful to prepare for three or four events it really stresses you out. You have to str- you have to train on a, on a on a different scale, and it's not just like going to the gym and lifting some weights. It's like, are you doing the cardio? Do you have the equipment? Um, are you doing maintenance? Are, are your muscles sore? So, 
so in, in preparation for, for these events, you know, going to California and you're, and you're doing a multi-sport, that's what it's called. It's a multi-sport event. It's not just one thing. Yeah. They don't, you know, if you want to go to these much, much bigger world, co- like, competition events like the Invictus Games, if you do want to even make it to these events, you have to do well on the smaller events. You know, like, they have events they host downtown for yeah. veterans at, uh, near the Alamo. They'll do them downtown. And I've gone down there several times now. I've been able to do well. But like I mentioned before, in 2013, my first one that I went to, I just, I, I, I wasn't mentally focused. So I, I yeah. freaked out mentally. I couldn't deal with the crowds. Um, I didn't train well. didn't prepare myself well physically. Yeah. Uh, spiritually, there's a lot of factors in it. Like, I, I just wasn't sound. Yeah. To Did compete. you have the right equipment, like the wrist straps and all that? I didn't have anything. I just went into it, I did it, and I just fell, like, it just, like, everything just fell apart, and I actually, like, injured myself because of the lack of preparation, and I, and I blamed, I blamed the event, I said to myself in one of the events, um, you know, the only reason why I got hurt was because uh, I'm just not able to do this event, I think it was the, uh, the discus event, so... I made up a, a, an excuse in my mind that, you know, I sucked at this event so badly because this is just an event my body is not intended to do this movement. So yeah. I made up an excuse and I failed miserably. And then it wasn't until I got out, because at that time I was still active duty. It wasn't until I got out of the military and these events were still happening and I found out that I was able to go compete back in California that it, I said to myself, why not train? Why not prepare? And then let's just see what happens. Yeah. So. Did you know in high school that you wanted to be in the military? I, it was kind of in my, in my like, I don't know. It was, it was something that, yeah, it it wasn't like my, the way my life unfolded, it was, it was just very random. So like, I, I, I didn't know anyone in the military. I knew nothing about the military, and, and I've told several people this story. I didn't know anything about the military when I went in. I didn't have family members in the military, and no one to mentor me or guide me in terms of, like, have questions, yeah. what do I have to do? Um, so what ended up happening was um, when I was a senior, um, I, and I've told several people this story, uh, 9-11 happened hmm. when I was a senior. So I was in high school, and I saw the Twin Towers go down my first period. First period, as soon as I walked into class, my teacher was bawling. She was crying. The students were surrounding the TV, and it's like the unthinkable is happening. We're watching, we're watching human beings in New York jump, jumping out of this the Twin Towers. They're yeah. jumping off the top floors, and we're watching this live on TV. Yeah. This is happening live, and um, you know, and then the towers fall. Uh, there's a plane that crashes in Pennsylvania. There's another plane near the Pentagon that yeah. tries to hit the Pentagon. So all these things are unfolding. And then obviously there's a lot of like um, a sense of patriotism that comes about as well. Um, to put the cherry on top of, of the situation, I wasn't living with my mom and my dad at the time. I was living in the house, but I was the only one in the house because my younger brother who's a year younger than me at the time was dying from Hodgkin's disease it's a type of cancer he had tumors all over his internally all around his body surrounding his heart his spine 
so he was dying i mean my brother weighed 130 pounds and um this was the year was 2001 so in july 2001 he had dropped down to about 90 pounds oh wow so he's supposed to be going into his junior year i'm supposed to be going to my senior year and um my parents end up finding out that you know he's dying and he has to be rushed to the md anderson cancer center in houston texas my mom and dad end up finding room and board at the ronald mcdonald house in houston texas and what the ronald mcdonald house is is just a place where multiple families live it's a giant house right next to the hospital the families are able to live there but they have to share all the space and the kids essentially walk to the hospital to get chemotherapy treatment yeah um so my brother immediately went into a chemotherapy plan like he had to you know go through that whole protocol yeah his entire junior year he's doing that so that left me in my household by myself i mean i had no food we had no money yeah and it was like for me it wasn't like i was scared or anything it was just a lot of things happening at once like in my world it was like my brother's dying my mom and dad are gone there's nobody here there's no food on the table the house is empty um the lights are out nobody you know nobody paid the light bill so we have no electricity oh yeah and i'm just kind of left to just kind of figure these things out so when you ask like when people ask like oh what made you go to the military it's it's difficult to say because i did have a sense of patriotism i also had a sense of i need to get my stuff together because there's nobody here to help me yeah and i i'm able to see the mail um come in and i'm and i'm looking at the bills and the bills are saying a hundred thousand dollars for these treatments hundred thousand dollars for the hospital stays and stuff like that all these things um lining up and just kind of I, I, I like to kind of think of myself as a forward thinker and i just say to myself you need to do something because no one is going to be here to like help you yeah you have no help yeah um, i had no aunts i had no 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 uncles that i could call for help there was nobody there to help pick up pieces you know when things fell yeah. apart so i kind of thought to myself you know, I'm just going to call a recruiter and um, see what happens. So 9-11 happened. So September 11, 2001, that happened. By December, I had already driven from Waco, Texas to Dallas, Texas with my recruiters, which is about an hour and a half drive. And didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anyone. Yeah. I ended up taking the placement exam. Um, I ended up enlisting in the military on my own by December, my senior year. So by the time I graduated, I ended up leaving, and I didn't really tell anyone. Yeah, I, I don't know. You saying you didn't even tell your mom until the day you were like leaving. I didn't. I didn't tell her until, and I was cleaning my room, and I had to, I needed to ride to the recruiting office. I, I was afraid to ask people for anything, but I said to my mom because I cleaned my room, and she was like, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, well, you know, I'm I'm getting ready to go to boot camp, and I and I meant to ask you if you can take me to the recruiting office, and she's like, why? And I'm like, well, because I'm leaving to San Diego. And mind you, I'd never even been on a plane. So I have no clue, like, what's about to happen. Yeah. So I end up, you know, getting her to take me, and but she's, like, freaking out. And she's like, hey, you know, you don't have to leave. You know, we can pay for your school. But I already kind of knew the financial situation. Yeah. And I wasn't going to put additional burden on my mom and dad um, to pay for my college. So I ended up just leaving. I just made a, a decision at a very young age to leave and... Really, I think a lot of it was a sense of patriotism to do what was right. And 
I never liked the idea of these men like and women signing up to go fight on my behalf. Yeah. I felt like I need to go out there and do something too. But also at the same time, I don't want to put this massive burden on my mom to pay for my college because I knew she didn't have money. So why do that to her? Yeah. But you and you, I mean, you enjoyed it, right? The military wasn't like... It was very different when I went in. When I went in, it was all about war. It was very scary. Yeah. It was very scary. And that's something a lot of people don't hear me talk about. But like when I went in, it was the training, the basic training was difficult. That was three months. A lot of people don't know that all Marines are, they're the only branch where every single Marine is required to go to the School of Infantry. Oh. You have to go to the School of Infantry. So every Marine has to go through infantry training. And what you do is like you, you learn a lot about combat. You learn to sleep out, dig foxholes in the mud and the dirt. You sleep in the rain and the mud. And, you know, those are stories you hear about and those are things you see in movies. Yeah. But like when I went through the training, and Southern California is known for not having rain. But when I went through that training, it just so happened to be raining nonstop. Yeah, that's weird. So my foxhole's filling up with water, and we're told that we're in a combat state, so we're not allowed to move because if you're in combat, you can get shot. So we're oh. sleeping in this stuff, in this water, yeah. in a hole filled with water, and we're being told we can't move. Um, so they, a lot of what, the way I was trained and the way I was brought up initially in the Marine Corps, it was a lot of it was about death. Yeah. We're going to teach you how to help your friend when he gets shot in the throat. We're going to teach you how to help your friend when he gets shot in the torso or the back. We're going to teach you how to uh, respond to chaotic situations. And these aren't things that I ever, ever in my mind thought about. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I had no idea in my mind how to respond um, properly to to emergency situations because that that type of responsibility wasn't placed on me growing up as a child so here i am in the marine corps you know 18 19 years old and i'm being told to carry like a 50 60 pound machine gun and the ammunition up a, a like 200 foot steep hill yeah and then i on top of that when i get up there i have to like provide a first aid support like yeah. treatment to to a wounded casualty and it, these are these things are insane to think about now, you know, because yeah. a lot of people know about like mer the Marine Corps and, and military veterans and stuff like that. But no one ever stops to think about like the journey to, to even get to combat. There's a lot of training involved yeah. to even go. And it's very scary. Um, it's it's a lot of it just revolves around death, you know, yeah. and who talks about death? Who talks about dying? Yeah. Not a lot of people, you know, Um I think people, I think uh, that's the biggest appreciation I have for the military now because it, the training that led up to all that stuff made me just such, such a, um, a better person. Yeah. It gave, it gave, it gave me like, like empath I empathize for people. I empathize for people in the military now. I completely understand the stress that comes with it, especially like. Uh, specific jobs like some people might have thought before like a guy who drives a truck in the military that's just a joke but no, nobody takes that job seriously yeah but when we were deployed in Iraq and Afghanistan there was like a 90% chance that truck was gonna roll over a bomb yeah so these truck drivers their their training is changing if you're in the back of a truck you or you're being trained that if the driver gets blown up 
then you have to get out and surround the truck and protect them at all costs and pull them out. And there's just so many things. It's not yeah. about a truck drive anymore. It's now they're telling you a truck drive can turn into a casualty situation yeah. very quickly, or you can get attacked. So it's like these things that were like we take for granted here, driving down the street to the grocery store over there, a drive like half a mile away can take three hours because the, the trucks have to navigate through IEDs on the road. Yeah. And these are just things that like, uh, like I said, even to get to that point to even talk about those things, those, I heard stories about it, but going through the training and, um, you know, being trained by Marines that had already been deployed and had experienced these things. I mean, they were able to take me under their wing and I was really drawn to those individuals who were helping me and guiding me and like, you know, this is what it's going to be like and it's going to be ugly and it's going to be nasty. And like, you know, these, these five guys right here are not going to respond to the stress. And these guys over here are the best guys. And it sucks to even say stuff like that. But you know, when you get down there and and stuff happens, not everyone does respond the way they're supposed to, you know, it's just, it's, it's a scary, it's a scary thing. Like I said, there's a lot of fear associated with yeah. it. The, my motto now is, like, what I tell myself is, like, don't let fear consume you or control you. Because in, like, the events that I've done, like the Spartans and stuff like that, yeah. you know. Or the train, like, the training I do for, like, competitions. I've done a couple of Spartans. With you. Yeah. yeah. So it's, for, for me, it's scary because... I, I, when I take people out in the Spartan, I have people I'm responsible for, and I'm like, I want to make sure everyone gets through safely. Yeah. No, no, no severe injuries. And we almost did have a girl get injured because she, I don't, you were there actually. She, she was pulling a sled, and she slipped and she fell back, and she almost had her head punctured. Oh, yeah. Punctured by a spike. She mm-hmm. actually had a severe concussion from that. Really. She had to go through a lot of like tr- uh, treatment because of that concussion. Wow. It actually affected her speech. Oh wow. So, you know, that's a stressor. But for me, even when I do these events, I would be terrified to do events. I would be terrified of people watching me. I hated the crowds. And um, I would have to tell myself, like, you know, stay calm. You know, don't, don't, let, don't let this fear control you, consume you. It's very hard to, to function. And I've seen Marines in combat who could not function under severe stress. Like, they could not function break down crying you know or like you see people who who don't believe in god and they start praying yeah and it, it's just like it's crazy to talk about these things but these are things that really happen to people people puking they throw up because they can't load a machine gun because they're freaking out yeah and these are real these are real situations man yeah. and i mean I, I to go through the training as a young kid everything that i was told literally revolved around dying yeah people are gonna die how are you gonna respond what are you gonna do? And it's like I said, a lot of fear. Yeah. A lot of fear. So. Were the Marines your first choice? Your first choice of branch? It was because they sucked me in with their propaganda. They have this oh. this like nineteen eighties commercial where this Marine is climbing a cliff and uh, he climbs this cliff and on top of the cliff is like this lava monster. Oh. It's the cheesiest commercial, it's probably the best military commercial. I don't think any branch has ever beaten that commercial. It's like the cheesiest propaganda video for the military uh, recruiting video and he gets to the top of the mountain uh i think he like a bolt of lightning comes down on him and he holds up a sword and like he uses his sword to like slay this lava monster oh, wow. and when he does like a uh, marine uniform appears on his body almost oh, like wow. he's like 
like a transition from like a civilian to a marine. Like yeah. now he's a marine, so he's just defeated this lava monster. And um, so that that commercial I saw as a child. So like I never thought about any branch oh. than that. Yeah. Like that commercial completely sucked me in. They got yeah. me. Wow. Yeah. There's no lava <laughs> monster you fight in the Marine Corps. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Did you ever even wield a sword? <laughs> yeah, they do. The the Marine Corps. So like the Marine Corps. They carry, uh, the Marines carry something called the Mameluke Sword. And then this thing goes back to, like, the Marines fighting the Barbary Pirates in Africa. Oh. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't know this. So, like, s- some people in the military, well, no, no, no. All branches of the military officers carry swords. The enlisted uh, Marine Corps, so, like, at a very young age, so, like, when I was 20 years old, I attained a rank called Corporal. Um, the Marines are the only the only branch that shows uh, corporals, which are very young, how to use a sword. And the sword is a symbol of leadership. It's a symbol of your commanding troops. So like the Marines are the only branch where they give so much responsibility to a corporal, which is a very young kid. It could be like, he could be 19 or 20. And the Marines give that guy so much responsibility to be in charge of a lot of people. You're almost like a, general manager at the age of 19 in the marine corps yeah i mean you're 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 a big time leader so what they do is they have a ceremony they give you a sword and they teach you how to use this sword and uh you're allowed to carry the sword so the marine corps did that for me like they actually sent me to a course when i was when i had to learn how to march marines around and in formation i mean these formations would be like 50 people and i have to march do marching cadences i have to use a sword to to do specific things and um it's very difficult because i had to like rehearse i had to practice a lot with my sword yeah um because it's sharp and you can like stab yourself with it (laughs) yeah and it's heavy so you know but it's it's um swords are heavier than you think yeah yeah well it's just it's just such a cool thing because a lot of people don't know that so like a lot of people will have like a sword on their wall if if they're marines and um these swords can be like 800 bucks you have yours i had a sword um but i I think i canceled it because i was actually being deployed so it was being custom made but i couldn't fulfill the order because i was being deployed and i didn't know if i was gonna come back so i was like oh why am i gonna pay 800 dollars for something i'm gonna be gone for almost a year yeah so why have this sword yeah (laughs) i didn't want to drop 800 dollars on something i wasn't even gonna be touching so i canceled it i i could still get one made yeah but I did use it when I was in the military, um, and a lot of it was for ceremonial reasons. Uh, you use it for ceremonies, yeah. a lot of ceremonies. But yeah. yeah, a lot of Marines, a lot of young Marines, you'll see them. Um, they're allowed to carry them, but other branches, you you mainly just see officers who carry them because officers yeah. are s- symbols of leadership and branches. But the mili- the Marine Corps focuses so much on leadership at the lowest level. That's I think that's the biggest emphasis with Marines is just developing leaders. And and what I was told, the way I was taught was the reason why we do this so much is for you to be a great leader for Marines. But not only that, so like when you get out, you can be a great leader in the community. Yeah. That's something that was like embedded in a lot of my friends and I. They're still doing stuff in their communities. Yeah. Um you know, just you know, just uh, out there, whether they're at a, at a shelter with kids, 
volunteering or food banks or whatever. They're just out there doing stuff. Yeah. Military is big on that. Yeah. Volunteering. Do you think the military was crucial to your character growth? Oh, for sure. And, and not just because of the military, because of the individuals in the military. Because these individuals yeah. came from all walks of life. So, um, like one of my best friends that I met, he was from Alabama. And this guy had a, uh, he had such a thick, uh, like, Louisiana, like, New Orleans accent. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, could, he, he knew French. Oh. Because, you know, the French settled there, and yeah. they're the ones that, they have all their, their culture there still. Yeah. Um, this guy was Native American. But it was just, he's just such a crazy toss of, like, cultures yeah. and history. So, anyway, um, you know, that guy, um, his name was Dudley. His last name was Dudley. And then I met other people from North Carolina, uh, Oklahoma, so many different characters. And I would say that... A lot of individuals I crossed paths with, they just took their time to really, um, I guess, like, help mold me. Yeah. You know? If, if they weren't talking to me about marriage, they showed me, like, stuff about being a dad. They talked to me about, like, church or, like, not going to church or, like, what are my beliefs. Yeah. They questioned things that uh, normally, where I grew up, things that weren't really being questioned, you know? Yeah. Or, like, mistakes. Let's talk about mistakes. Let's talk about, like why you why you didn't do so well in a course that you were supposed to graduate from or something you yeah. know just just things like that i think um successes failures um uh, you know are you a good leader and if you're not a good leader then why aren't you doing everything to be a better leader you know yeah. when you take care of marines you know why are you taking care of marines are you doing it for an award are you doing it because it's the right thing to do Things that were never presented to me in my childhood, I would say that these guys were exposing me to not um, tell me how to be, but just just putting the idea out there of just being a better human being, I think, yeah. is what they were doing. Yeah. And um, these guys obviously were very, uh, very intelligent. A lot of these guys had actually went to college before they enlisted in the Marine Corps. So a lot of the guys that brought me up had bachelor's degrees. Uh, I knew guys that that were in that had master's degrees, um, and they were very young. They're very smart, yeah. and I felt like they were kind of like on a on a different in a different realm, like philosophically, the way they presented ideas to me, questioning things. Yeah. Like uh, I don't know if you know who Socrates is. He's yeah. the, the Greek philosopher. Yeah. I feel like that's what they were doing to me. They were just asking me questions all the time. Yeah. They would make me get on the ground and do push-ups, and ask me questions. Oh, wow. It was very weird. And, like, for me, <laughs> I wouldn't get offended by that. I would yeah. just kind of, like, I like I liked the challenges. Yeah. But they would say, you know, I'd get down and it'd be like, oh, how many parts are there to an M4 rifle? Um, and I have to, like, they'll tell me to stop, like, halfway. And then they'll tell me to lean to the left. And, like, um, you know, who's the commandant of the Marine Corps? Uh, why do you want to be a Marine? You know, lean to the right. And, oh, you know, how long are you going to stay in? If you get out, why are you getting out? Do you not love it anymore? You know, just <laughs> wow. these random things. Like, they're always questioning and pushing me yeah. all the time. Keeps your mind fresh. It, that and, uh, for me, it was kind of fun. It yeah. was kind of fun. Because uh, I knew in my mind they weren't doing it because they hated me. Yeah. They were doing it because they saw potential and they were trying to expose it. And, and what, what happens is, I mean, I do the same thing now, too, with people. I see people and I just see potential all the time. Yeah. I see gifts. 
I see people for who they are. I, uh, if, if they're strong, I can see them being stronger. If they're fast, I can see them being faster. If they're intelligent or creative, like your mom's very creative with her, her cups yeah. and stuff, I can see these things. It's like the, the un, unlimited potential for growth in people. Yeah. People saw that in me. I do it now. Yeah. And I, I and I push people hard, you know, like when we had the gym, you know, yeah. we push people hard to do stuff they never thought they could do, yeah. you know. So that's what was being done to me. And yeah. I just knew that it wasn't ever being done from um, like they, they weren't doing it out of hate or malice. It was just, you know, they were just kind of probably passing on what had been done to them. Yeah. They're being they're passing it to me, like passing the torch, yeah. the tradition of. Yeah. You know, let's make him a better leader. If he's good, let's make him better. And yeah. then let's exceed that. Let's keep pushing him beyond that. Yeah. Because I got that a lot as a young, young kid. Like, you're a natural leader. You're this, you're this, you're this. And, you know, you're fast and you're strong, but you're not fast enough. And you're not strong enough. And you're not smart enough. So we need to work harder. It is just constant every day. It's like I would be challenged every day. Like, you're going to do this. I'm going to give you two hours to do this assignment. And if you don't do it, then, you know, you're going to stay at work till like nine o'clock at night. You know, just like, yeah, it's like time management too. Like yeah. people were just, I never grew up with that crap. Yeah. I never grew up with that. I never had anyone ever in my life push me that hard yeah. to be better, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you go through all that, all the military and then you mentioned uh, the gym. You, mm-hmm. After you got out, you started the gym, mm-hmm. right? Warrior Fitness? Yep. What was, what was Warrior Fitness? So, the Warrior Fitness was um, something that I created to kind of give back to the community. And really just the focus was fitness initially. Fitness because um, I know that fitness is really the answer to a lot of our, like, ails, a lot of our, our, a lot of our problems. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like medicine. It's not medicine, but it is something that, that seems to help people, not just... To look better, to feel better, but chemically in our bodies, yeah. we, we, we create a chemical called uh, serotonin. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know this, so I always share it with people. Serotonin is the chemical that's inside antidepressant medication. Oh. So people that are depressed, um, they'll take these medications. Which I, you know, I was on antidepressants for many, many years. I was actually probably on every antidepressant you can think of. And, and in different combinations, too, not just like one. It was like, oh, well, take this one and then take these other two uh, because this one makes you tired, but this one's going to give you energy, and then this one's going to help with your weight gain. Yeah. So all these side effects you're managing. And um, at, the end of, at the end of it, like, to make a long story short, I ended up finally uh, just making a decision to just get off the antidepressants. I started working out, and I started working out a lot. You and cut cold turkey? I did. I did. I've actually never been addicted to anything in my life. Like I, I've smoked before, I've drank, but I never get stuck on it. I actually yeah. stop if I want if I want to stop drinking alcohol, I could stop for six months. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I'll never understand that. Like Yeah. I don't understand that. How do people do that? Like Yeah. I think it's a lot of willpower too. You yeah. probably have a lot of willpower more than you know. Yeah. It's probably why you're able to do it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a lot of people will fall back into the like I need that to make me happy. Yeah. I need that to help take the edge off. Yeah. But like you, you don't need that. Yeah. You know, you can take the edge off with, if you just like make a decision. Yeah. I'm taking the edge off on my own. I mean, I, can, like, I, I go to parties and people get upset at me. Like, I took you to this party and you're not going to drink, you're not going to smoke, mm-hmm. you're not going to do anything. I'm like, yeah. I don't got to do that every single time just because it's there. You do, like, yeah, you don't. And it, 
and that goes that goes with their like willpower too as people like other people are doing it so i'm doing it yeah whereas you you're, you're a free thinker you think for yourself you don't need you don't need a bunch of people in a room to help you make a decision you're able to just yeah. do that for yourself you're able to think for yourself yeah so that's a gift you know yeah. but um going back to what we were talking about um what were you we saying I can't even remember. Oh, we were talking about the the gym. You talked about you got off so, the antidepressants. So, so I started working out, and a lot, I ended up figuring out like that serotonin was produced naturally whenever you did rigorous exercise. Mm. You produce like large amounts of serotonin, and it's in your brain. It's yeah. a chemical in your brain. And for the longest time, I mean, I still go through stuff. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. But I'm able to manage it. Because of um, <clears throat> just being physically active. And that's really it. Just being physically active uh, has helped me. And then you look at people who are depressed and people who suffer with like a lot of depression. And you got to like, you got to stop and look like, are they working out? Are they active? Are they riding a bike? Are they outside walking around? Yeah. Um, we know that vitamin D is good for depression. Vitamin D is the sun. You just walk out, yeah. you know, go out and get outdoors, you know, just walk around. So those very basic things of just like being outside and then being active is like one of the best things you can do for depression. I'm not saying it's secure, but if you do it consistently, yeah. it's definitely going to put a dent in, in your depression. So yeah. that's why I started the gym. The gym was started for the physical aspect, like just working out. And I knew that I had, I knew that I knew how to help people. Yeah. So, like, when I had the gym, it wasn't about training people. It was about helping people. Yeah. It was about helping people find out what they're really about by pushing them to their absolute limit. Yeah. Was it targeted to um, military at first? Initially, initially, honestly, the mili- I think the military community was drawn to it. Yeah. Because I was in the military. So, they're probably like, oh, he's in the military. He's doing that. But I think, like, just... Talking about like the smoking thing, you know, like well, people are in a room smoking, so they're like, "Oh, I want to smoke too." People are in a room drinking, "Oh, I'm gonna drink too." Yeah. Well, like, you look in this dirty garage that looks kind of cool because of all this equipment, and people are like, "Well, all them, they're all working out, so I kind of want to do that too." Yeah. And I think that's what it was: is people just saw a picture, and then they said, "Oh, you know, I, I think I want to try that out," you know. Yeah. And it it really just like I think it just blew people away. Yeah. Like. The audacity to have this thing in a garage. Yeah. Um, the audacity to like have this guy put up these workouts that were just insane. Yeah. And also a lot of few people in there were handicapped. Yeah. Like they, yeah. one of them didn't have an arm. For sure. A leg. For sure. And I never, and see that's the funny thing is like, I never looked at it that way. I always looked at it as this guy's here. Whereas people who have everything are not. Yeah. And people who have everything complain more than this guy. Who would like this, like, like it, there was this gentleman named Kevin. He only had one arm. You know, he only yeah. had one arm. And just to, for him to get out of his vehicle and get into the garage was like difficult. You know? Yeah. It would take him like 15 minutes to get out of his vehicle. Because he would get out through the back of his SUV, oh. open the back door where you, people typically load groceries and yeah. he would have to pull his wheelchair out and open it on his own and then climb into it and then have to grab all his stuff and, and put it under his 
hips or wherever he was going to put it in his yeah. chair and wheel himself down into the driveway uh, from the sidewalk and um, and get into the garage. So, you know, I think that was like a big, big blessing right there because um, I was able to to kind of just create this like little community of fitness. And I think the mission was definitely like to help people and to see that our we have a purpose and that purpose is to just kind of for the veterans i think it was like the suicide rates were insane so it's like you know you're you still have a purpose yeah you can still do stuff you can still be active yeah for the community i think it was like support these guys yeah get out there and support them because i think everyone sees that they see there's a problem with the va and the, and the military guys killing themselves but everyone wants to do something but what can you do so like yeah. this little garage was just like the it was bridging the gap with community and veterans and like this like real problem you yeah. know and a lot of these guys were combat wounded so i think a lot of people don't know that like a lot of people think oh like everyone's combat wounded whatever whatever not necessarily not everyone went to combat but these guys had went through severe injuries you yeah. know and for them to even be in the garage was a big win because Throughout my time with the gym, I did come across individuals who ended up killing themselves. You know, we had a guy who was taking pictures at the gym, a volunteer. He was a Marine. He ended up killing himself. A lot of people don't know that story. We had another gentleman who was taking photos for us, and he kind of went, he attempted to go on a killing spree uh, not oh, too yeah. long ago. I remember that. So. The first guy you were talking about did a Spartan with us, right? Uh, he did the... Um, he was taking photos of us? Yes. Yeah. I remember, I, so, I remember both of them. There's a lot of things that like people don't understand. And like it, it it was a great... I think the gym was a great thing to like push into the community yeah. and raise awareness. Yeah. I think that was amazing. I think that it planted the seed for a lot of guys to like step out of their shells and get out into the yeah. community and do something. We were doing that just by like the visual aspect of showing people through videos and photos and like... Our actions, getting back into the community. If we were doing a hike or the wreaths across America, yeah. putting wreaths on the graves. Like, like I think last year we were, we raised I don't know like a thousand or two thousand bucks, you know, to oh, put wow. wreaths yeah. on on tombstones. So, yeah. I mean, all this stuff is amazing, you know. But it's like, was it for was it for veterans? Of course, it was for veterans. But I think it was just as much for the community than more than what people thought, you know, yeah. because it. It raised awareness in the city in San Antonio of something that was being created from nothing. Yeah. And um, there's just like a group of people. You know, like usually when you see this stuff, it's on YouTube or like a viral video. But like for us, I think we just wanted to show people that we're just like regular Joe Schmoes and we're out here just kind of yeah. doing something, you know, to yeah. bring change, a positive yeah. change through fitness. Yeah. Which a lot of people, I mean, the city struggles with that. The yeah. city of San Antonio, I think the the obesity rate is at seventy percent. You yeah. know, that people struggle. And it, I mean, it wasn't all about fitness either. Like, yeah. like that wasn't what we like. There were times where we did all the holiday parties we did, and then like right up there, right up yeah. there, if we had that event with the big rock wall, mm -hmm. and all the food, like exactly, we weren't just exactly pumping iron all the time. Exactly, and like people, like. A lot of that stuff, you know, like planning, planning all that stuff out, the execution of it. I mean, this all goes back to the military. This all yeah. goes back to like the people that like trained me and helped me and guided me and were like, hey, you know, you're a leader. 
you're this, you're that, you know, like, and, and when things, when we didn't have the means to, to do stuff or, or have certain things, like you create them. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was doing. I felt like I was kind of like this person who was like, let me use, let me use my friend Marco and I, Marco and I are going to go out into the community and we're just going to like kick the door down and just show people that by working together, we can do this change, not just with Marco and I, but you know, like your mom and dad, you know, people that yeah. believed in us when people didn't know who we were. And we just have all these people out there. People are just like, what the heck is going on? You know? Yeah. But that just goes to show you the impact that you can have in the community as a regular person. It doesn't, it wasn't necessarily like Trey just had this advanced training in psychology and business and train and physical fitness training. It wasn't that. It was, it was just making something out of nothing and trying to give back um, every which way we could. Yeah. Every which way. I and mean, we're getting involved with the cops, with law enforcement. We're getting involved with the firefighters. We're getting involved with like so many dynamics yeah. in the community. I remember doing the tower runs and all that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything. It's just. It was so much more than just like a regular garage gym. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's just such a. A, a privilege. I always looked at it as a privilege. Yeah. You know. Even even here in the house, like there was a time, when Seth hurt his leg super mm-hmm. bad. I don't remember what he did. Mm-hmm. It was either his leg or his foot, but he was like on crutches or something. And he couldn't like stand on it. And my mom would tell him like, if Marco can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Like you can do. Yeah. Like and that I guess that helped him. For sure. Marco doesn't have a leg. Yeah. And so yeah, that inspired Seth. S- to, psychologically, like we have these barriers. You know, and we look for a reason to, like, not do stuff all the time. Yeah. All the time. All of us do. It's not just, it's not just Seth, you know. It's yeah. every single one of us. And I've been, I've been a victim of that, too. I've victimized myself. I, 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 I can't do this because of that. I can't compete because I had surgery on my nose. And, you know, just limiting ourselves. We limit ourselves a lot, you know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, we have so much more to give. And... I think that's that's really like the me- the message with the gym. It was like a vast message. It wasn't one thing, you know. Yeah. It was on a much larger scale, and like the people that are directly involved, I think they saw that, and they were just like, "Dang!" Like, I think it left just like a, a everlasting like impression on people. But yeah. you know, I'm glad that we were able to do it, and you know, I don't like that. You know, we we didn't continue with the gym. But I'm also glad that we did stop the gym because COVID has stopped so many businesses. Yeah. And I think that was the smartest decision to just say, hey, let's just stop this because it was just scary for everyone. Yeah. The the gym was a nonprofit. Marco and I weren't getting any money for them from the nonprofit. Yeah. The money was directly paying bills to our rent. Our yeah. rent. And the only way you can pay rent is if you have members and nobody was allowed to work out. So oh, yeah. how how could anyone predict, you know, the situation with COVID? How, yeah. But at the same time, I would pray, what is the next step? Because for me, you know, where we were wasn't the end-all, be-all. It was, for me, it was like, what's next? Yeah. What, what What's the next level of this? Because we started in a garage and then we moved to an outdoor setting and then we moved into this building and we were sharing the space and, and for me my prayers are like what's next what do you want me to do what yeah what is the next task you know and then covid happens so for me and i tell my wife i feel like the message was very clear 
stop it, stop it now, and if you can pick it up in the future, pick it up. But yeah, the foundation needs to be stronger, you know, to yeah. where because I have a buddy who has a nonprofit gym in Dallas, and they're struggling. Yeah, so so I, my my buddy in Dallas has a gym, and he's a retired NFL player. They have a multi million dollar facility, and they're they're struggling right now as well. It's it's tough because like my situation, it was just Marco and I. We're volunteers. Yeah. We're managing the gym. We're managing everything, the members and stuff like that. Very low level grassroots operation. But my buddy, you know, they got they got doctors there. They have prosthetic doctors there. They have physical therapists there. There's people that need to be paid. Yeah. And they're not getting the money because of you know the lack of donations and stuff like that. Yeah. They're very limited on how they can raise money. So you know stopping the gym i feel like i don't know i prayed i prayed about it and i feel like it stopped but there's just so much uncertainty and i I don't know if it was you want to say god was just like hey this is what i'm trying to stop pause what you're doing yeah maybe come back to it later but i feel like it was just so it was such a message that was in my face of like you need to stop because at the same time you know when we stopped the operation COVID literally had just started. It's yeah. like we stopped the gym and then COVID happened. Yeah. That's exactly how it went. It wasn't like we stopped it because of COVID. It was we stopped the gym and then COVID happened. So yeah. it's like the message couldn't be more vivid in my yeah. face, like a loud message, like, yeah. you know, like should have like stopped this, you know. Yeah. Like it's it's just so crazy how, how you were forced to Oh man, not even that though, but like to be in a really bad situation financially. Yeah. To where you're forced to quit and be financially um, affected by it. Because, you know, if you drive around San Antonio, you can see right now that there's a lot of business uh, offices that are, they're not filled right now. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of businesses that are like, they're losing out on a lot. And a lot of, I think a lot of businesses were probably bailed out by the government. Um, oh, yeah. but like corporate gyms, like, uh, Gold's Gym earlier this year, or it was in the summertime, Gold's Gym had filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. You know, they filed for bankruptcy. Oh, wow. A lot yeah. of people didn't know that. So yeah, there's been, I've seen a lot of different things. Finally. So how they how Gold's Gym is still operating, like I, is beyond me, but there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things happening behind the curtains that I'm sure with a lot of businesses that are being affected. I mean, yeah. Um, a lot of these gyms, you know, it's just very scary. You know, it's very scary. Yeah. But I'm glad everything happened with the gym the way it happened. I'm grateful for the experience with the gym for sure. Um, I mean, I was able to meet your mom and dad through that. Yeah. I, mean, I was able to meet meet you through that. Yeah. You know, because of that. It's a one of the best blessings ever. You know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad that that I I was able to do that. Yeah. You know. For sure. And so after you quit, you. After you stopped the gym, you went back to school, right? Or I was in school. I was in school while I was doing the gym. Oh, a lot of people didn't know that. Yeah, I was in school doing doing it, and um, I graduated last year, twenty nineteen, and I was actually able to. I mean, I, I was able to graduate. I think I only had one B the entire time. Oh well, what, what was your degree? Uh, I was uh, going to school. What was it for? It was in kinesiology. It was. Um, it was a transfer degree, so I think it was, um, I think it was like general, something like general, 
but it was because of the way the schools transfer and stuff like that everything was kinesiology based so like uh it was like around like fitness and health and all that yeah. stuff but um the way the degrees transfer to like the bigger universities at the time a kinesiology degree from the community college would not transfer to utsa and count oh yeah so they told me that i had to like change the degree plan to like oh. a general kind of degree um and I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me, but it was going to, all the classes were going to transfer over to like a U University of Texas, San Antonio, or like a yeah. Texas State, something like that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty crazy because a lot of the stuff I did with the gym and not only that, you got to think in conjunction, all the events that I was doing, like the Spartans or like yeah. competitive events, yeah. um, being a dad, being a husband. Um, everything fell in line with school. You know, I was busy with school. So it was, yeah. it was a lot on my plate. It was tough, but I mean, I w I'm glad I was able to do it. Yeah. You know? And now you guys are RVers now, right? RVers, man. Yeah. So like, yeah, so we're in the RV and I'm glad we moved into the RV because there's so many things that change in how you live your daily life in the RV. Like the space is just one component, but like how you cook your food. Yeah. The water, how much hot water you have. Do you have a shower connected to the we, RV? We have a shower in the RV. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we, there's no problem showering in the RV. We have like two two sinks, so like the boys can like brush their teeth and stuff like that in their restroom, and then my yeah. wife and I have our restroom. Um, those are just like small things. I think the much much bigger things like right now that we're managing is like our son Matthew. He's 17. He's a senior right now. He's special needs and. Um, we're living in the RV, and I think it's more to get acclimatized to the surroundings, like yeah. our, our personal space. And what it did was, we it was more of a challenge, like, can we do this? Will it save us the money that we're planning to save? And are we going to be able to live our daily lives and be okay in the RV? Yeah. And the answer is, like, yes to everything. Yeah. And it took a while to do that. Like, say, for example, we had just bought the RV and then just started driving everywhere. Yeah. I could have seen that falling apart, like, severely. Yeah. I, because we've, like, stayed in the RV and we're able to, like, like, one of the basic things that we changed was, like, the mattresses in the RV. When you buy an RV, you get, like, the crappiest mattresses, like prison mattresses. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. So we upgraded the mattresses and we got better mattresses for our kids. And then not only that, we got a... My wife and I have a king-size bed in the RV. Oh. I didn't even have a king-size bed in my house. So now I got a bigger, more comfortable mattress, and we sleep significantly better. But had we just kept that and drove around the U.S., that would have been pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. But we've been able to make small changes, like take out old furniture, uh, paint. We've been able to do different stuff yeah. to make the RV more functional for us. And we've been able to do that while we've just been living in it in San Antonio. Yeah. So there are more things we want to change, like the cabinet, the cabinet space, building wine racks, custom wine racks inside yeah. so we can put wine bottles in there. Um, but everything has to be done in a way that when you're driving the RV, you're not going to destroy everything because the RV does shift in when you're yeah. driving. It moves around. So you can't just like put a bunch of stuff everywhere and think it's going to look great because you could open the door and all your crap is everywhere all over the floor yeah and that could very like we've we've done that where we didn't close the drawers right and all the drawers and the <laughs> stuff had fell out yeah you know our shower door has a lock on it so it doesn't like swing back and forth yeah so the shower door glass had shattered 
and broken wow. everywhere Dang. because we didn't do one thing. So there's so many things to take into consideration with the RV, but we still want to travel in the RV once Matthew graduates. That's the plan. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's brought us closer together. Yeah. We spend a lot of time outside. We're saving a lot of money and we're still able to make great food in the RV, yeah. which is one of the bigger concerns. But I think it's made you more grateful and more humble. I think for sure. Like, I think it's, uh, when I say like, it's brought, brought us closer as a family, it's definitely made me more aware of like my presence as a father. Like how, how am I being too much for my kids? Because yeah. we share a small space. So, like, when you're in a house, you could be acting like a douchebag and be in the other room. But in the RV, I feel like everything is much more amplified because the space is so small. Yeah. So, I have to be aware of how I'm behaving. Yeah. I have to be aware if I'm having, like, if I'm in a mood, you yeah. know. Um, and not only that, but you get really tired of being inside. So, you could just find stuff to do. And what I do is I find stuff to do with my kids. Like... Let's go to a park. Let's go walk. Let's go work out. Let's go do something. Yeah. So we're always trying to do something. And um, I think on the, just like on the, the level of being a parent, I love that. You know? Yeah. I, I always want to be better for the kids. And for sure, I will say that I think I've made like leaps and bounds, like just in yeah. a year of living, living in my RV has definitely just changed me as a person, not just like my family. But, I mean, we do, my kids tell me, like, let's watch a movie tonight. Let's make yeah. s'mores tonight. Let's do, let's, let's do something together outside. So, yeah. like, those are things that, like, Maybe. I've always, yeah, that's the stuff that I've always wanted for my family. I never wanted to force my family to be close. I've definitely wanted my kids to be aware of it, too, and to want that. And yeah, I feel like they... Want that. I feel like they do they do want that for sure like now because they ask for it yeah you know on Friday can we do can we do this on Friday can on Saturday can we do this and these questions that like we were never asked before are being asked and like when we pray at night you know they'll say oh you know I'm, I'm thank you thank you God for like letting us you know be together tonight and watch a movie together and like we had a lot of fun and they're saying it you know they're saying it yeah. they're praying to God they're saying thank you for that and and I think that's a big deal because it's so easy to, to, to not be grateful. Not just me, but like all of us, you know. But yeah. I think when we're all doing that subconsciously together, like my yeah. kids and and me, um, it makes a huge. It's just like, it's just like uh, the energy in the RV is just awesome. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I bet. So if someone was on the fence about moving their family to an RV, you'd recommend it. Man, I would tell them. It's really, I mean, honestly, like I've, everyone I talk to now, like people come and they're just like, I want that. I want that. I want to be able to do that now with my kids. Yeah. And what I tell them, my advice is go slowly, rent an RV, try it first, because you not only are you ha having to manage your family and like, I think a lot of parents, they say, oh, I want my kid to get off their phone. I want them to be more outdoorsy. But you have to be that way. You have to be yeah, outdoorsy. Lead by example. You can't expect your kid to be that way if you're not doing that. So yeah. what it is is, uh, like for my kids, my older boys, they were like 14, 13, 14 when, they, when we first got the RV and we started going out in it. And, and they struggled with that. Yeah. What are we going to do? You know, how are we supposed to play the, the game and all this other stuff? And uh, 
I would tell them, you know, just go outside and make friends. We go to an RV park in San Marcos, um, and they'd be like, how am I supposed to make friends? Well, you have to go talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> and that seems to be a difficult thing nowadays. But guess what? They, their social skills, you know, are improved a lot. Matthew has autism. Naturally, he doesn't want to talk to people. But if you talk to Matthew, he'll talk to you, you know? Yeah. He, he's definitely made leaps and bounds just being autistic and, like, the limitations, like, placed on him. Like, he just has, like... Everyone knows, like, kids with autism, like, they don't, especially Matthew's level of autism, he doesn't want to engage a lot with people, yeah. but he'll talk to people, you know, and then um, Dominic goes out and tries to talk to people now, so really what I try to say is, like, start slow, and then see if it's something you really like, because yeah. what I did was a, was backwards, I went and bought the RV, and I, I granted, I had been looking for RVs for, like, three years, but I, if I could go back and do it again, I would go rent an RV to see what RV I even like. Yeah. Because there's different types, right? So like you need to see what it's like to set it up. What does the maintenance look like? Yeah. You know, what, are, what do I have to do to maintain the RV? Because changing out a light bulb in an RV is not the same as changing out a, a, a light bulb here. Yeah. I actually have to like screw out the entire component and pull it out of the wall. Oh, wow. I have to buy a brand new component that goes in the wall. And it's not a light bulb. It's like the whole light fixture has to come out. Oh, yeah. And they're all LED. And it's, they're expensive. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, you know, a lot, there's a lot of things to consider. I think the RV life is, is an amazing thing. I think it's something that should like be, you should start slow because my house was 3,700 square feet. We live in like 500 square feet. <laughs> so, yeah. the, um, yeah. The difference is just ridiculous, you know? Like, yeah. Um, like, your, the room that we're in right now is probably, like, half the size of my RV. Yeah. Maybe more than half. So, we, we have a very tiny space for us. The privacy is, like, out the window. So, it's, like, it can yeah. be an adjustment. But at the same time, if you do it right, obviously, like, the bonds will, you know, the, the, the relationships in the family, you know, will just improved dramatically i think yeah yeah so i had to humble myself as a father and like i said be aware of how i am to my kids yeah because in the rv you can't hide anything so everything is just so it's everything is just like exposed more yeah it's amplified so you have to be aware of how you how you are acting because people can't run away they can't go to their room in the rv like every everybody's so close together yeah so yeah yeah so Overall, with the military, with creating nonprofit, with mm-hmm. the comp, the games, the competitions, all mm-hmm. that, and the RV. If you had one piece of advice to tell people, it would be: don't let fear control you. For sure, I think don't let fear consume you because I feel like that's where we make the majority of our mistakes, and that's in an event. Like if it's a thirty-second event or oh, like a one-rep lift and bench pressing which takes like no, it's like, it's not even a minute to do that. You know, it's like 30 seconds. The rowing events I do are one minute and there's so many things happening that I, if I get scared or if I start doubting myself, then I won't perform well. Yeah. And it's the same thing with everything in the Marine Corps. If I go to combat and I have Marines with me and things go bad and and I'm focusing on my fear and how scared I am, I probably won't save that Marine's life. I probably won't. I probably won't be useful to anybody. Yeah. And all of that, all of those analogies kind of go back to like being a father and a husband here after the military, you know, and, and being scared of like, 
can I transition out of the military? Can I get out of the military and be successful? Can I? What what am I without a uniform? Because yeah. I wore that uniform for twelve years. What 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 am I? Where's my identity? My my real identity? Because I thought that was my identity because it was such a powerful thing in my in my life. Yeah. But now I don't have that, and now it's like what what am I? So, you know. But a lot of that was just fear and doubt. That's all that was. Yeah. I was just casting fear on myself. You know, I lost. I lost. I didn't have like my my faith wasn't sound. You know, I wasn't praying and all these things. And that's what fear does, though. Yeah. When we're scared, we don't. We do pray, but it's almost as if it's selfish praying. Yeah. You know, not necessarily like. Like, oh, God, give me strength to, to do what's right, to be brave, to be courageous. Yeah. It's more of like, oh, please don't let them hurt me. Like, yeah. You know, and it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think when we stop and analyze, like, all of these things that, like, have happened to me, like, it's like, don't let fear stop you and control you. Because everything that's new that we do, even living in the RV was scary. Yeah. All of that is scary. You know, it's like... Am I about to put my family in a in a situation that we're just gonna like crumble? How would I know that we were gonna get closer? Well, yeah. a lot of that is just faith, you know. I'm asking God for something and and to and to be financially stable and all these things yeah. are going into the RV life and can we take trips? And we did take trips. My wife and I took two trips last year. We went to Washington D.C. and then we drove to Yellowstone. Oh yeah. Um, but we we're able to do these things because of the RV life. That's why. Yeah. That's really why. Yeah. Um, or, you know, renting out the house, you know, it just is offset so much. And uh, our next trip that we're planning is going to be to Oregon. Oh. When we went to Yellowstone, my wife was terrified. She was terrified of that trip. We had so many stops. I had an itinerary laid out for like, you know, four different cities. And now we're going to plan a trip to Oregon and Washington State. And we're planning to see all these other beautiful places. And there's going to be more planning involved. Yeah. And now, this time around, my wife isn't questioning it at all. Before, she was like, maybe we should just cancel the trip. She's not doing that now. Yeah. She's excited about it. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. All right. Well, I think we've been going for about an hour or so now, maybe a little more. And I think uh, it's pretty solid. (laughs) So, if you take anything from this podcast, do not let fear control you. So, for the end of the... I'm missing a marker in there. <laughs> For the end of the podcast, I let the guest sign the poster okay. wherever they want. So you can go ahead and okay. do that. And as you do that, I do the quote of the day as well at the same time, which is where I just go on Twitter and look up quote of the day. And we just try and see if it's inspiring. Let's see. Here we go. Okay. If you like everything you ever do, you'll never get any better. Nice. Awesome. If you like everything. If you like everything you create, if you like everything you ever do, you'll never get any better. It's true. Yeah. Don't be complacent. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. Thank you guys for watching the seventh installment of the podcast, and we will see you real soon for number eight. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah.